today we're going to be in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3. If you have a Bible, let's go ahead and go there. You guys know that the, the prophet Jeremiah was preaching to the southern kingdom of Judah. So Israel, um, there in the northern kingdom, they kind of had their major prophet was Isaiah. And then um, now we have Jeremiah. And so eventually we're going to get to the book of Ezekiel, then Daniel, and then we're done with the Old Testament. But this is a heavy, heavy, heavy chapter, to be honest. Even the whole book is, is a heavy uh, book. And it's good for us, though. You know, like if I were to ask you guys, like, how much do you love God? Uh, I always tell you guys this. I love him this much, right? And you're like, what do you mean this much? And what that means is that nothing comes between us. You know, I, I would bet almost all of us here, we need to hear a message like this. I mean, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. It doesn't matter how, how deep you are, are involved in ministry. If you were honest, you would probably say that I need to draw closer to God. You know, there's a there's a, a passage in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, draw near to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near to us. Have you been doing that? Have we been doing that? Honestly, like, you know, don't be a, a pretender. Don't be a faker. Don't just, you know, I'm going to fake it till I make it. No, honestly, genuinely, how close are you to God? How close are we to God? Are we really there where he wants us to be? Because, I mean, you know, for me as, as a pastor, preaching a, a study doesn't make me close to God. I mean, anyone can do this. You know, you can study, you can preach, you can go to church, you can serve in the ministry, you can do whatever it is, but you know deep inside that there is a spirit inside of you that has this communion with God. You know, you might have a union, you're saved, but, you know, really, have you been hearing his voice? Have we been hearing his voice? Because I tell you what, to drift away from the Lord, it can happen to anyone. And so for us... I don't know how you're doing, but my prayer is that you would draw near tonight. This is a really cool uh, chapter. Um, of course, we know Judah was in, in big trouble. But but notice what we read here in, in Jeremiah chapter 3, in, in verse 1, it says, They say, if a man divorces his wife and she goes from him and becomes another man's, may he return to her again? Would not that land be greatly polluted? But you have played the harlot with many lovers, yet return to me, says the Lord. You know, and what Jeremiah is saying here is pretty interesting. Um, a man divorces his wife, and then she goes on to marry someone else. The question here is, can he return to her? Can there be a reconciliation? You get married to someone, they get divorced, they go get married to someone else, and then, you know, is it possible to be reconciled? Now, there's no doubt about it that Jeremiah here is uh, referencing Deuteronomy chapter 24 in verses uh, 1 through 4. It actually prohibited something like this. And the reason that it prohibited it, remember, this is a civil law given to Israel, was because they didn't want guys to be throwing wives away and then just coming back together and taking marriage flippantly, you know. They wanted it to be a sacred, holy matrimony for life. And so you don't just play, you know, like there's a, I think there's a program on television. You guys ever heard of it? It's called Wife Swap or something like that. Imagine that. Wife Swap. 
And so the Lord is saying, you know, is that possible? And, and, then, and then what he says right here, but, in, you know, when you read the scriptures, what you find is that in one sense, there is this love relationship between God and his people. And he was saying, you, you know, I've, I, we, we're, we're separated, maybe even to the point, some say, of divorced, that God had divorced his people. And, and can we get back together? I mean, it's biblically, it's not biblical in the sense as far as the law goes. But the Lord says, you know what? My love is greater than that. He says right here, you have played the harlot with many lovers. But look what he says right there. Return to me. Return to me, says the Lord. You know, even though it wasn't like the law, it wasn't like legal, according to that, you know, set of standards, God says, I'm willing to make an exception because I love you so much. Be honest. Be honest. Do you know that he loves you that much? And do you love him? You know, I I think sometimes it's hard to get people to pray. To really pray. I'm not talking about right before you're going to eat your food and stuff or, you know, kind of going through the motions. I'm talking about getting them to really pray or to really, like, when I read my Bible, I want God to speak to me. And, yeah, I mean, you know, like when you read the book of Luke, chapter 24, when the Lord spoke to them, they had a burning heart. When when God speaks to me. You know, and so the Lord says, you've been playing the harlot. You've been doing that. You're so caught up in all these other things. Be honest. You would much rather go to the movies than go to a Bible study. You would much rather go and have fun. You know, whatever the entertainment is, whatever the event is, then seek God. Serve God. There's a lot of people like that. You know, maybe on a midweek service, you guys are a little different, but I don't want to, you know, over, over, you know, I don't want to give you too much. You just never know. I mean, there's so many distractions that we have. We know that uh, Judah was guilty of spiritual adultery with all their idolatry. And and so he tells them here, um, look at verse two, lift up your eyes to the desolate heights and see where Where have you not lain with men? By the road you have set for them like an Arabian in in the wilderness, and you have polluted the land with your harlotries and your wickedness. You know, God's bride, God's love, was guilty of spiritual adultery with all their idolatry. And so he tells them, look up, and you'll notice all the altars and places that they had worshipped other gods. Now, if I were to ask you guys today, most of you guys here at Calvary Chapel Amani, you, you wouldn't say, I worship Molech, or I worship Ashtoreth, or I worship, you know, Mammon, or I worship, you know, uh, these different gods that they had, Baal. But did you know that a lot of those things that you're involved in, it's not the same name per se, but there is that same spirit behind it. What if there was a God, uh, a demon of distraction? What if? And all this demon does, all this false God does, is distract you from God. Imagine that. You're like, well, no, I don't worship Molech or Baal or Ashtoreth or Mammon or, you know, I'm, I don't worship Allah or whatever it is. You might think that's what he's talking about. No, we're, we're talking about all these other things. 
that we put before God. And what the Lord is saying right here is, man, you guys are guilty of doing this. You know, right here, he says, lift up your eyes. Notice when, when you're looking at the Bedouins, when you're looking at those that are on the sides right there, what we find is that they had uh, unfortunately been ravished by them. The NIV puts it this way. Look up to the barren heights and see, is there any place where you have not been ravished by the roadside? You sat waiting for lovers, sat like a nomad in the desert. You have defiled the land with your prostitution and wickedness. And I thought it's interesting the way that it says right there in verse 2, you have polluted the land. You know, we know what pollution is, right? We talk about air pollution, water pollution, soil pollution. Uh, they even have what's called noise pollution. Um, but our world has forgotten this thing called sin pollution. <laughs> and what we find is that this is something that's going on uh, today. You know, what we find is that God, therefore, has judged uh, his people look at verse three therefore the showers have been withheld and there has been no latter rain you have had a, a harlot's forehead you refuse to be ashamed you know and i don't want to overgeneralize because we have to be careful that you know sometimes people go through trials because they're actually doing the right thing but sometimes people go through things because they're doing the wrong thing Sometimes God's not raining blessings on you because you're not seeking him. You are just not seeking him. You're like, well, I go to church. I'm involved in ministry. That's not seeking God. Anyone can do that. It has to be genuine. It has to be deeper. Right here, God says, I'm not giving you guys any rain. Now, in California, we're experiencing a drought you know, there's no uh, snowpacks there in the Sierras. We're, we, it's been years, right? And we can't overgeneralize. Not every uh, natural disaster or things like that is always because, you know, something has gone wrong and sin. You've got the hurricane over there. You've got the tsunami over here. You've got an earthquake over there. But, you know, it's not always the case. But sometimes it is. That's why. That's why. You want to know why you're not getting showered with blessings? Because you have not really sought God. And you know it. And you know it. And see, that's just it's something that the Lord has to show you again. All I'm saying is that please don't be one of those people who play church. Maybe I haven't taught you well enough. Maybe I haven't shared it with you explicitly enough that, that the half-heartedness stuff, it, it won't get you anywhere. Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Either you're all in or, or not. Right? What we find right here is that the showers have been withheld. There's no, no, no latter rain. This is when the beginning of the harvest and the end of the harvest. They, they had a harlot's forehead. I mean, it was this blatant, it was obvious you know, when you look at these things, you find that, man, rains are vital in the land. These blessings are something that we need. But the people, they despised God's discipline and they were unashamed in their sin. You know, when there's something on their forehead, you guys ever had a pimple on your forehead? And you're like, man, I can't hide that one. <laughs> 
You know, when something's on your forehead in the Bible, it just means that it's just straight there. I mean, I can see it. You can see it. Everyone can see it. And in one sense, you just don't want to change. You know, you're almost unashamed of it. Um, I mean, that's what we find going on in our country. That was going on there in Judah. They were, you know, we talked about this last week. They were worshiping Baal. And part of the reason they were worshiping Baal is because, you know, hey, if you're going to be a follower of a Baal, you go to the temple and then you would have the, the you know, the, the temple prostitutes come out. You get to engage in sexual sin. And they, people like that kind of religion, Right. And so that was part of the reason why they were there. And what we find in our, in our nation today, Jeremiah is so relevant for the United States of America, especially for California. We just got done passing legislation to amend our state constitution that basically you can kill babies you know, all the way up to the, the, the moment of birth. Imagine that, a nine-pound baby, you take its life, or even sometimes outside the womb. Now, you guys know as well as I do, if there is a God, and we know there's a God, if there's a God, he's not just going to sit back and do nothing about this. I mean, there is, there, we are, Adrian Rogers said, what used to be done behind closed doors and in back alleys is now strutting down Main Street, parading. And what are we doing? Well, we might not be doing the same thing, but we are not just tolerating it. We are applauding it. That's the world that we live in. And so that was going on with Judah. That's what's going on in the United States of America. But the question is, is it going on in my life? Like, as I was reading through this chapter right here, I was really searching my heart because like I've told you guys many times, a lot of times a pastor might say, well, I studied it and I taught it and I preached it. And so I'm good. And God says, no, you're not good until you live it. And every single one of us, myself included, if we're honest, we would admit, I want to draw closer, closer. If you're here tonight and you're like, no, I'm good. I don't need to draw closer Then you know what? You're already going in the wrong direction. And some of you are closer, some of you are far, some of you might be backslid, and some of you might not even be saved. You have to really ask the Lord, because we're not just here out of routine or rut or going through the motions. You know, here, we know they would eventually pray, but it would be too little too late. Look at verse 4. Will you not from this time cry to me? My father, you are the guide of my youth. We know what to say, huh? We know like the the prayer to pray. Oh yeah, they're gonna. Oh, you're. The, I've been ever since I'm young. You've been my guide. Will he remain angry forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, you have spoken and done evil things, as you were able. You know, I mean, we have to make sure that even in our prayers, that they're sincere. You know, because I'll, 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 I'll be honest, sometimes when I go to my prayer closet, and you know, it starts off and maybe you get distracted. Who knows? You got your phone with you. Maybe you got a text message or whatever. I mean, I would really highly recommend when you pray to turn off your phone. But um, I do know that it is very possible just to kind of go through the motions in our prayer life. And it's there's no really that substance there. And, and that's what they were doing. Yeah, they're going to go through the trials and, you know, eventually they're going to get aspect of discipline. But their prayers, their, their, it wasn't real. It wasn't real. And so, um, 
you know what? I, I want to encourage you guys in this. Um, seek the Lord while he may be found, the Bible says. Call upon him while he is near, while you have the opportunity. Psalm 95, verse 7 is interesting. It says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my works for 40 years. I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts. So for, for you know, my, my encouragement is today, today. You know, God is so good. He's so gracious. He's so forgiving. You know, typically, he wouldn't allow them to return to him. But right here, he's saying, no, I, I will. We can start a new life. Today, when I was studying, I was listening to songs that... Um, I have an old playlist, old, old songs. And so I threw on my headphones and it reminded me of when I first got saved. And I'll tell you what, what a, a special season that was. And I, I would just, you know, that the tears would start flowing down. And I look back at God's faithfulness and I'm just blown away. You know, I think sometimes people have left their first love. Some people never even really got there. You know, we have to make sure that we seek him because if not, you guys know he loves you. How many of you here know he loves you? Okay, so if he loves you, will he give you, uh, will, he di will he discipline you? Yeah. Sometimes he'll discipline you and he'll break your legs like they would break the legs on the, on the sheep, remember? And then, you know, from what I heard, they would break the legs on the sheep and then the shepherd would put the, that, that lamb around his neck and while the legs are broken and he's mending, the shepherd's carrying him through, you know, the whole, the whole thing and, and he's learning to bond with the shepherd. I don't know about you, but do you want your legs broken? I mean, you're like, well, why would it take him to break your legs? To get closer to him. Well, how, much you, how many of you would rather have... Just, I'm just going to get close. I'd rather just get close to you, God. Sometimes it takes the break in legs. Like I'm talking about where God gets active and he disciplines us. Otherwise, other times, like we read right here, he doesn't rain down blessings on your life. Showers. Because you're not really seeking him. We have to make sure that we seek him. While we can. Look what he says in, in, in verse 6. It says, The Lord said also to me, in, in the days of Josiah the king, Have you seen what backslidden Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain under every green tree, and there played the harlot. Now, now this is really interesting, because when you read the account of you know, King Josiah, you guys might remember he was king when he was eight years old. And then, you know, it wasn't that much longer as a young adult. He went in and he started remodeling the temple. And then they, as they were remodeling the temple, do you guys remember what they found in the temple that they had lost in the temple? They found the Bible. Imagine that. They had lost the Bible in the house of God. And so they went and, you know, Josiah tore his clothes. Next thing you know, they started getting right. And when you read the account, it looks like it was real. It looks like this was a genuine revival. But right here it says that it, during the whole time, they were backslidden. 
We're going to see this. It's really interesting what Israel had done. You see, the, the northern kingdom of Israel had backslid and refused to return to God, so God judged her in 722. And the Assyrians completely conquered them without an ounce of compassion, with absolute and total cruelty. They would cut off their nose, cut off their ears. I mean, it was this crazy thing that would, would happen. But then the Lord asked, have you seen this? Look again in verse 6. The Lord said also to me in the days of Josiah the king, have you seen what backsliding Israel has done? She has gone up on every high mountain under every green tree and there played the harlot. And I said, after she had done all these things, return to me. But she did not return and her treacherous sister Judah saw it. Then I saw that for all the causes for which backsliding Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. You know, during that whole time, you know, God is asking, what, what's going on? You guys see what happened in Israel. Have you ever seen someone who fell into sexual sin and maybe they fell away from the Lord? Or maybe they got caught up in drugs or alcohol. Next thing you know, they're not going to church anymore. Or just whatever. They get caught up in the things of the world, the money and the things that money can buy. You know, and next thing you know, they're just not there anymore. And so we see those lessons. Judah saw what Israel did. Judah saw what happened to the northern kingdom. But for whatever reason, they themselves didn't take it to heart. You know, sometimes I, I look at, at pastors who fell, you know, pastors who, um, I mean, it's a trip. These guys got these huge churches and God is doing such an awesome work. And then next thing you know, they fall into sexual sin uh, with someone. And I mean, every pastor should look at that and just say, man, I got to be so careful. I can't be alone with a woman. I can't be having any, you know, thing going on in my mind or my heart. I just have to stay away from that because I know that like the Bible says, all who were slain by her were strong men, so to speak. And so it would be foolish for anyone not to learn from those horrible things that have taken place. But unfortunately, Judah didn't learn. Judah must have heard and seen what happened, the, the devastating discipline, but it didn't strike a healthy fear inside of her heart. Look again, if you would, at verse 8. Then I, then I saw that for all the causes for which backslidden Israel had committed adultery, I had put her away, given her a certificate of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah did not fear, but went and played the harlot also. So it came to pass through her casual harlotry that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and trees. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah had not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. You know, when you look at this, Judah is called treacherous. And the word treacherous, it means guilty of or involving betrayal or, or deception. The NIV translates it as faithful. You know, and when you look at Judah and you study the southern kingdom, some might say, well, they had their revivals and there was always a remnant. But what we find right here is that even those so-called revivals weren't what we had hoped for. You know, what we find is that it looked like it was real. It looked like it was genuine. 
It had all the appearances of them being in right relationship with God. But it says right here in verse 10, Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. Now, there's two things I, I just want to mention to you real quick, okay? So some people, they, 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 they think they're a Christian, but they're not. They think they're a Christian, but they're not. And so imagine that, you guys, how horrible, how horrible that'll be when all your life you thought you were a Christian, but you weren't. And then when you stand before Jesus, he said in Matthew chapter 7 that many are going to come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, we did all these awesome things. And then the Lord will say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So there are some people who think they're Christians and they're not. So let's start there. You know, are you a Christian? Are you really, truly a Christian? Now, I don't want to give doubt to those who are, but neither do I want to give a false assurance to those who aren't. And so you have to search your own heart. I can't tell you. The Bible says the Lord knows those who are His. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that, that when you're saved, there's a, is an inner witness that you really are. I will say this, that if you're a Christian, you're going to want to pray. If you're a Christian, you're going to want to read that Bible. If you're a Christian, you're going to want to obey, generally speaking, unless, like we're going to see today, you're backslidden. Which brings me to the second point. There are some people who, you know, either maybe they, they, maybe they, they, they don't care that much. Or maybe they don't know that much that, yeah, they're saved, but they're not sold out. They're not surrendered. They're not completely committed. And they're okay with that. They're like, I don't want to be a radical Christian. You know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a missionary. And, I, you know, and they think that for whatever reason that you don't have to be completely committed unless you have like whatever some position in the church and that's not true everyone everyone should be real and genuine and sincere and tender and in love with god it doesn't matter how old you are as a matter of fact when you're kids when you're little kids you have the faith of a child don't you love it when you see these little kids and they have this faith and it's just so beautiful and then, you know, they start getting on their five years old, six years old, seven years old. They still kind of got it. But then, you know, eight years old, nine years old, and things start changing a little bit. Do you think that that is supposed to change? you think it's supposed to get, you know, like weaker or, or, you know, the heart gets harder? No, it's supposed to continue. That's why Daniel, he was only 12 years old and he was in love with God. We should have that heart. You know, but right here, it says, yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah has not turned to me with her whole heart, but in pretense, says the Lord. The word pretense means in an attempt to make something that is not the case appear true. They never sincerely returned to the Lord. You know, when I look at this right here, to be honest, and I'm just, you guys might be thinking, well, Manny is on whatever, uh, a trip tonight. When I read it, it made me search my heart deeply, deeply. And it should for all of us. Lord, am I really as close to you as I can be, as I should be? I mean, do you have all of my heart? 
I mean, this is something that we read this. I don't want to just be a man who knows the Christian cliches and the motions and the routines and, and all that kind of stuff. And I can get by and whatever. And people, and I'll fool them and all that kind of stuff. I don't want to be that. Lord, I want to be real. This is where Judah was. Look at verse 11. It says, Then the Lord said to me, Backsliding Israel has shown herself more righteous than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and, and say, Return, backsliding Israel, says the Lord. I will, I will not cause my anger to fall on you, for I am merciful, says the Lord. I will not remain angry forever. Only acknowledge your iniquity, that you have transgressed against the Lord your God and have scattered your charms to alien deities under every green tree, and you have not obeyed my voice, says the Lord. You know, we don't want to be those who draw near with our lips and honor God with our mouths, but our hearts in all reality are far from him. You know, even in our worship team, thank God for our worship team, but in the past we've had people up here worshiping the Lord, singing songs, leading the, the church, and they were as, as deeply embedded in sin as you can imagine. And it can happen to anybody. We draw near with our lips. We honor him with our mouths. But our hearts are far. That can happen. You know, and when you read this right here, like I said, it makes me search my heart. It makes me ask God to search my heart because a lot of times we can't see what God sees. See, you can fool all of the people some of the time, and you can fool you know, some of the people all of the time, but you can, we can never, ever fool God. And that's the one that matters the most. And so, you know, we can't see our hearts always. We have blind spots, but God can. That's why David prayed in Psalm 139, 23, and 24, Search me, O God, know my heart, try me, and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Job 13.23 is the same thing. He, How many are my iniquities and sins? Make me know my transgression and my sin. You know, more, most in looking at the history of Israel, they would consider the northern kingdom worse than the southern kingdom. But God saw it differently. You know, because the northern kingdom, remember, they carried away in 722 by the Assyrians. Uh, they... They never had the temple there. Once Jeroboam became king, they had their false religion. They never had not one good king, not one good priest or prophet there. They had Elijah coming in to do his thing, but he never, they never listened to him. And so, you know, we look at that and we think, well, the northern kingdom was worse than the southern kingdom. But God saw it differently because Judah number, Judah, number one, knew better. Judah had the temple. They had some right-on kings and priests. And then not only that, Judah saw what happened to Israel. And they still did what they did. You know, we have to make sure we know that to whom much is given, much more will be required. And you come in and we come in and we hear the Bible studies and we have been blessed with many, many you know, good uh, teachers uh, over the years. And we've seen, you know, so many people fall and we've seen what happens when someone has a cold heart and they don't follow closely behind God. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot. We've heard a lot. And, and so because of that, there is to whom much is given, much more 
is required. And that's what God was saying. Judah is worse than Israel because Judah knew better. They knew better. But they did their thing. You know, we have to understand Luke twelve forty eight. Someone who does not know and then does something wrong will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much more will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. And so, so God commands Jeremiah to call backsliding Israel. That's interesting to return to him that they would experience God's mercy um, and not his anger. You know, maybe you're out there and God's calling you back to him. I, I pray you'd come back. Because if you don't, it's going to get worse. Now, when you study the history of Israel, they've got the ten tribes in the northern kingdom, and you've got the two tribes in the, in the southern kingdom, and the ten tribes were out there. They got scattered. Now, they got so scattered that there are some people, weird people today, you know, even, you know, you name it, and I've I got to be careful, but, you know, be careful with someone like maybe like a, like a Kyrie Irving or, or someone like a, um, a Kanye West or someone. Sometimes they get into this theology where they think they've replaced the, the lost tribes of Israel. Because the ten were so far scattered that a lot of people think, well, you know, they, they're gone. And even, you know, there's other, other you know, weird theories out there. Right here, we're going to see even in our study today that, no, they're not gone. God right here, he tells them to come back. It says that in verse 12, return backsliding Israel. He's calling them back. God says, if you come back, I, I won't cause my anger. And it's kind of cool because what that means, you guys, and hopefully you see it the right way, is it doesn't matter how far you've gone, for how long. And some might think you dropped off the, off the edge of the planet. No, God says, no, I can still have you come back. Does anybody want that here tonight? Does anybody hear that you know in all honesty, like I've drifted away, I'm not where I should be? Do you want that? Do you want to come back to God so that you can say, I love him this much, nothing's coming between us anymore? Do you want that? Do you want that, that, that beautiful love relationship with God? Maybe you've never even had it. God is just saying, return to me. Return to me. Even if you're that far out. God says, I'll be merciful I will not remain angry forever, but he says in verse 13, only acknowledge your iniquity that you have transgressed against the Lord. You know, the Bible says that we are to acknowledge our sins. Proverbs 28, 13 says, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy you know, and even the sweet psalmist David, even this wonderful king, who Acts thirteen twenty two, it says he had a heart after God's own heart. This guy who loved the Lord, man, he fell into sin. And we don't know for sure exactly how long, but maybe for 11 months, he was backslidden. He couldn't hear from God. I mean, it wasn't happening because... When we sin and we don't confess and forsake our sins, then we create a distance between us and God. And that explains why you're not feeling it. That explains why. But what we find is that when eventually Nathan came and confronted him, and he could have got mad. He could have said, hey, Nathan, who the heck do you think you're talking to? I'm the king. 
And you're telling me that I've done something wrong? I mean, I can have you dead right now, buddy. David didn't do that because the Lord had been working on him. And then when Nathan came and told the story and showed, said, you, you're in sin, uh, David said, that he, uh, he, I have sinned. And he really meant it. He confessed it. And he sought the Lord. And when you read Psalm 51, he talks about how difficult those days were when he was living in his sin. He wasn't confessing his sin. He was just living in it, and it was just so hard for him, so heavy for him. But the moment, the moment he just he just got right with God, he gave it to the Lord, he confessed. You know, and you might even just be here tonight, and you can just confess on, you're not, you haven't done drugs, you haven't done alcohol, you're still pure, you know, sexually speaking, but you might even confess something like, Lord, I have been half-hearted in my commitment to you. Lord, I've been distant, and, and Lord, I'm, I, I ask for cleansing, I ask for forgiveness, because you were nailed to a cross for me. You deserve so much more, and I, I've only given you half of my heart, and Lord, you deserve all of my heart. And you can confess that, and right here it says, if you acknowledge your iniquity, you're not making excuses. Well, it's his fault, it's her fault, it's because this happened. Stop it. Stop it. You're as close to God as you as you want to be. And right here we see the Lord is saying, hey, you know, you have to acknowledge your sins. I admit that you've put things before me. It's basically verse, verse 13, all those alien deities. And, and God will have mercy. He says in verse 14, return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. That, that's interesting. Imagine that. Your wife is over there and she's doing her thing. Imagine that. And you know, she you just go up to her as she's in the middle of her affair, and you say to her, But we're married. We're married. That's what God says to the Christian who is over there enjoying other things, not God idolizing other things. We usually call it ambitions, possessions, or, or relations. It's usually in that order. And, and what we find is that God says, no, I mean, we're married. I'm married to you, he says in verse 14. I will take you uh, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you where to Zion, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. I mean, I remember Stephen Curtis Chapman, he had a song and he talked about how, you guys remember those little uh, Game Boy games they used to have? Do you guys remember that? That was probably before most of your time, right? And anyways, imagine going to Grand Canyon, to the Grand Canyon. Have any of you guys ever been to the Grand Canyon? It's beautiful. Imagine going down in the, in the Grand Canyon and being able to see how beautiful this whole thing is. But instead of looking at it, you're, you're playing your Game Boy. <laughs> you know, you're doing your thing, kind of like us on our phones. And there's our loved one right there, and it would be kind of cool to talk to them, but no, not right now, you know. And then, you know, you got all these different oh, gods there to talk to you, but no, I can't right now because I'm too busy. And, and basically what the Lord is saying is, says, hey, how about you come back to me, and I bless your life? What do you think? Is that Would that be cool? 
And it might just be a few of you. There might only be one right here, maybe just two right there. But if you come back to me, God says, I'll, I'll bless you. I'll bless you so much that I'll give you shepherds that will feed you, shepherds that will give you knowledge, shepherds that will give you understanding. You know, it, it will be a different life. You know, when you look at this, and this did happen to the children of Israel, in part, we know it's like when God gave them Ezra, right? Or, or God gave them, you know, that, the age of Nehemiah. Or even, you know, when you think of the church and how God gave them Peter and Paul and those to feed them. But we're going to see primarily, when you look at the big picture, it's a millennial kingdom. But there's also something very, very personal about this. You know, when you look at these shepherds, and I love verse 15, I will give you shepherds according to my heart. You guys know how I always talk about the fact that a shepherd's work can never be done without a shepherd's heart, right? So guys that really care, because a lot of guys involved in the ministry, and I've seen it many times, you know, we're blessed here in this church, but I've seen it so many times. Guys, they don't really care. They don't really love. They don't really, they're in it because, you know, they want that position, and God says, I will bless you in such a way that you're going to have guys and, and people in your life that have the same heart that I have, and they'll know their responsibility. Their responsibility is to give you the word, and they're going to feed you with knowledge and understanding. And there's such an important thing for us to know as you know, Christians and even pastors, how we have to make sure that we give the word with the capital W, not men's word, not my word, not my opinion, not my interest, not my hobby horses. True knowledge and understanding what we find is rooted in the revelation called the Bible. Have him open up the Bible. Have him teach me the Bible. That's what he's supposed to do. Remember what the Lord told Peter when he restored him and he made him a, a, a pastor? Remember what he told him? Feed my lambs. Feed my sheep. Tend them, love them, lead them according to the word. You know, what we find is that, I don't know, some might think, well, it's easy to do that, right? Just show up and open up the Bible. But really, when you have a shepherd with a shepherd's heart, it's an individual who understands this heavy need to feed and lead the flock to green pastures would include a, an intense labor in the word. You know, it's not that you just go and you show up and you read the Bible and, yeah, God's going to honor that. No, I mean, God is gracious, don't get me wrong, but there has to be prayer involved. There has to be digging involved. You have to be laboring in the Word if you're going to feed them the Word. And that's why the Bible talks about that. First Timothy 5.17, laboring in the Word. The Greek word, it means to grow tired with toil. And God said, come back to me. Return to me. And I will bless your life. And I will feed you. And it will be different. I mean, to me, when I read this right here, I even think of Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, and how um, the Bible says that Jesus gives you know, these people as gifts to the church. They're gifts. I'll give you shepherds. I'll give you people who really care for you, who will feed you the word, and they'll make their decisions on the word, and I'll bless your life that way. The other day I was kind of blessed. Someone came up after service and they said, hey, you got a lot of good guys here at this church. It's pretty cool to see. And I was really encouraged by that. And I know that all those good guys and all those good gals are from Jesus. Because that's what happens. He gives them. 
You know, in, in, in Jeremiah 3, it's just so beautiful to see what happens when a flock is well-fed. Um, they lose the desire for idols or relics. They, they just want the Lord. Look what it says here in uh, verse 14 again. Return, O backsliding children, says the Lord, for I am married to you. I will take you, one from a city, two from a family. I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Then it shall come to pass when you are multiplied and increased in the land in those days. And this is more than likely in reference to the millennial kingdom says the Lord that they will no more, that they will say no more the ark of the covenant of the Lord. It shall not come to mind, nor shall they remember it, nor shall they visit it anymore, nor shall it be made anymore. At that time, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem shall be called the throne of the Lord and all the nations shall be gathered to it. This is the millennial kingdom to the name of the Lord, to Jerusalem. No more shall they follow the dictates of their evil hearts. In those days, the house of Judah shall walk with the house of Israel and they shall come together out of the land of the north to the land that I have given as an inheritance to your fathers. And it's just so cool because, I mean, you guys know, uh, like, if the Ark of the Covenant was around today, people would be flocking to check it out. Oh, the Ark of the Covenant. You guys, you know what I'm talking about? That, that you know, that was uh, that place in the whole, most holy place. And it, it was just amazing. It, it actually represented the throne of God. And so the Lord is saying, our relationship is going to be so strong with Israel in that day that they're not going to be even looking to the Ark of the Covenant. They're not going to mention the Ark of the Covenant because it's going to be it's going to be something that they're living. You know, Pastor Chuck would always talk about the fact that sometimes people need they need these relics, they need these statues, they need whatever these visible, tangible things are. You know, because of the fact that they don't have that in their heart already. You know, and so the Lord here is saying, hey, this is, they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to think about it. Jerusalem will be called the throne of God. And that's interesting because um, the Ark of the Covenant was the throne of God. But the reason Jerusalem will be called the throne of God is because Jesus will rule from Jerusalem, right? Right. During the millennial kingdom. And so it's so cool to know this. Basically, what he's saying in one sense, if I, I don't know if you guys can catch this or not, but follow me for a second. It is just basically living a life where King Jesus rules. He rules my life. He rules my life. Yeah, but Lord, you don't know who I am. I'm an introvert. Yeah, Lord, you don't know who I am. I struggle in this area. It don't matter. Is he king or not? Is he, I don't feel like reading the Bible right now. Is he king or not? I don't feel like praying right now. Is he king or not? I don't feel like, and that's, our life has to come because we also use the word Lord, the Lordship of Christ. If he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. And so when Jeremiah is calling these people back, he's calling them to that place of, uh, you know what, it don't matter. You can't make excuses. And some people you know, you name it. I mean, there's so many things that people might say. This is why they disobey. And God says, there's no excuse. 
I, 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 I want to rule your life. I want to be king. Not just because I want to dominate you, but because I want to bless you. And we have to come to that place. You know, it's the end of the rule of our evil hearts. That's what it says there in Jeremiah 3.17. It's the end of division there in Jeremiah 3.18. You know, sometimes we see people who have such a divisive heart. That's not the Lord. It's not. How wonderful it is when the Jew is born anew. Have you guys ever seen a Jew get saved? It's exciting, huh? And you guys know Marty Getz? Have you heard of Marty Getz? You guys, you got to check out his music. It's amazing what happens when God gets a hold of these Jews and they get saved, you know? And so we, we look at this and look what we read in verse 19. But, but I said, how can I put you among the children and give you a pleasant land, a beautiful heritage of the hosts of nations? And I said, you shall call me my father and not turn away from me. And it's interesting how we're not only the bride, but we're also the child. Surely as a wife treacherously departs from her husband, so have you dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, says the Lord. A voice was heard on the desolate heights, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way. They have forgotten the Lord their God. You know, when you look at this right here, the weeping and pleading of Israel's people, they had chosen crooked paths and had forgotten the Lord. You know, when we find this right here, to me, it reminds me of Jesus' lamentation where he said, I I wanted to gather you under my my wings, kind of like a, a, a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing and so we read in verse 22, return you backsliding children and I, and I will heal your backslidings. Have you ever met someone in the church who's always backsliding? They come back, then they're gone. They come back, then they're gone. They come back, then they're gone. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's insanity. It doesn't make any sense to me. I think the reason why that happens is because they don't really return to the Lord in the way that we're talking about because of the fact that God says, if you return to me, I'll heal you of that. You know, if you're out there, maybe you're watching online today and you have looked back at your walk as a Christian and it has been that. It has been back and forth, back and forth back and forth, and you know it, you're in fellowship, you're out of fellowship, you're back and forth, you need to come to God completely. Because when you do, He'll heal you. He will heal you. You can't heal yourself. All you can do is come and be sincere. You know, one of the the guys that, um, that backslid for years, I don't remember how long it was. I want to say, you know, maybe it was 10 years. I'm not sure. But it was Pastor Dale Goddard from Calvary Chapel, West Covina back in the day. And now they're Calvary Chapel, Golden Springs. But he backslid for years, years. 
And, you know, he, he, he would, you know, wouldn't drive by the church, you know, that he's like, the church is on this street, okay, I need to go that way and that way, and I won't come anywhere near it, you know. And so eventually he went through something, and the Lord brought him to that place where he went back to, to, to church, back to Calvary Chapel, West Covina, and there was Pastor Rawl with him. And, you know, it was just so cool because, you know, when Pastor Dale came back, he completely came back. And he never backslid again. That's what, what we're reading right here is if you really come back to the Lord completely, totally, 100%, sold out and surrendered, God will heal you of that. That's the promise. Indeed, we, we do come to you, Jeremiah says, for you are the Lord our God. Uh, truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the mountains of, of, of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation uh, of Israel. For, for shame has devoured the labor of your fathers from our youth, their flocks and their herds, their, their sons and their daughters. And you know what? I, I, ha I hate to say it, but you know, when you backslide and you go in those directions, the shame, um, look at the, 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 the ones who suffer, the sons and the daughters. You know, and sometimes, I'll be honest, this right here is in reference primarily to the fact that they killed their kids. They slaughtered them as they offered their children to Molech or Baal. You might not kill them physically, but maybe spiritually. It's heavy. It's heavy. Jeremiah says, Lord, I'm ashamed of this, but this is, this is what happened. We lie down in our shame, he says in verse 25, and our reproach covers us, for we have sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers, from our youth, even to this day, and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God. You know, I pray, you guys, that we would just, you know, come to the Lord. And I know some of you guys are, you know, you're not too far. You're not, you're not too far. And, but I would just say, you know, let's draw closer. And some of you guys, maybe you're a little farther. Some of you are, are way out there. It doesn't matter, really. You know, in Luke 15, when the prodigal son came to his senses and he came back to his father, the Bible says that the father, he ran to him. He ran to him. And so if you're here today and maybe you're not where you should be, you know, you have a choice. You can just mosey on home the same way you came. Or if you want what we're talking about right here. Isn't, wasn't it crazy, the, the rain that we got the other day? Did you guys notice the, the rain? Any of you guys see how, how it went down really hard? Any of you guys see that? I was like, whoa, it's coming downtown. I mean, it was raining so hard. And I'll be honest, I was blessed. I'm like, Lord, we don't deserve that rain, but thank you, Lord. I wasn't expecting it like that. It reminded me of those times when I was in Cambodia and I would see it come down so hard. And, and I'm just thinking, Lord, this is what you want to do to our life. I'm not saying that we earn it or we deserve it. You know, God is gracious with the blessings that he provides. 
But don't be presumptuous with his grace. My encouragement to you, and that's something that you have to work out with the Lord in your own walks, I know in me, it is, Lord, every time I sit down and I read my Bible and every time I, I pray and as I go and I live my life, Lord, I want it not in pretense, not superficial, not, you know, religious. I want it to be deep and, and I want it to be real. And I think when that happens in our life, then God will rain down blessings beyond your wildest imagination. Are you interested in that? Does that mean that you get the Mercedes? Does that mean that you get the fancy car and the great job and all that? You know what? It doesn't. You want to know something? I mean, it might. Maybe you get blessed with a Tesla. I don't know what it is, but here's the thing. You want to know something? What is it that you want? What is it that you want from God? Right? Well, he might give you that. Or he might give you something better. But he will give you something good. He will bless you with rain if you seek him like this. Return to the Lord, you guys. Let's return to the Lord. Let's acknowledge our sins. Please, I beg of you, go home. Get in your prayer closet if you need to and, and, and do this. And, and Lord, I just thank you for loving us. I thank you for your word. I pray. You know, sometimes as a man, you know, you try to make things happen and I can't. I'm helpless. I'm completely impotent from, you know, bringing myself or anyone else to a deep, true, genuine, and sincere relationship with you. But Lord, I pray that you would minister to every heart. And sometimes it's hard to figure out, well, how do I do this? I believe that you will show. You will give the divine details. You will take away the distractions. And you will help us to be satisfied with you.